hello, hi, good evening, good day, bonjour, welcome in. And I guess there's a bunch of other languages I could probably say it in, but we're not going to do that because that's going to waste a lot of time. And we are not here to waste people's time. I'm Florence Lyon. I'm not here to waste your time. <laughs> I'm Russell Ivanovich, and I am here to waste your time. That's that's my promise to you, dear listener. Um, we are without uh, Andy Nutko this week. I, I'd love to come up with some cool backstory with, for why he's not here. Maybe he's, he's on assignment in Nicaragua. Maybe something happened in the UK just recently that uh, Andy's trying to you know solve. I, I don't want to go into politics, but it could be related. I definitely did not say the name of our podcast in the beginning. Oh, so no if you're wondering what you're listening to currently on your smartphone, you should know that this is The Material Podcast, episode number 142. Thanks for tuning in today. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the greatest podcast on earth. Like we're, we're really happy to have you on board. No, we really are. Uh, especially, and we're really happy that we, well, we have been here long enough to officially have received our first listener joke email. Yeah, this, this is a milestone for us. So if you didn't notice, this episode is 142. That means there have been, there might have actually been 143 of these because I think we did have an episode zero like somewhere in the feed. So in all 143 episodes, we have never received an email that well, it's just a joke. Um, we have Michael to thank because we now do have one of those emails in our inbox. But we're going to make a new rule that, uh, and I'm sure you agree after we read this joke out on air, that maybe no more joke emails till episode 1000. You know, that, that's when we can uh, break that seal yet again. Ah, yes. Episode 1000. 1000. 1000. Sounds so good. It does sound so good. Uh, you know what else is good is this joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll let the listener be the judge of that. I'm going to leave this to you, Flo. Okay. What? Well, you have to help play along, please. Yes, yes, of course. What is an iPhone 10 owner's favorite Mexican food dish? Ooh, I don't know, Flo. What is an iPhone 10 owner's favorite Mexican food dish? Nachos. <laughs> Get it? Okay, okay. I laughed. It's it's kind of funny. It would be more funny perhaps if if we weren't suddenly afflicted with notches on the Android side of the fence as well. <laughs> That's very true because it's like looking in a mirror. Uh, it's it's you know it's like that scene in Mean Girls uh, where Lindsay Lohan's character looks um, looks upon her bully and realizes that she's effectively become who she who she doesn't want to be. Yeah, or it's like that scene in my life where I, I find myself doing something and I'm like, wait a minute, I've become my dad. Like what has happened? Like I don't understand where we've gone. So I feel like we're at the same place in in the Android world. Like we saw iPhone have their shiny notch on their shiny new phone and I think some manufacturers took that to mean that if we want our phones to be cool, we've got to have one of these things as well. And then Android P comes along. We talked about this last week and what do we have? We have support for the notch. You know, stuff moves out of the way here, stuff moves out of the way there, screens get pushed down and we're like... Welcome to the new reality. We've been through this, I feel, with, with headphones before. You know, Apple took away the headphone jack. I think they were one of the first, although someone will probably write in and tell us that there was someone before them. But they, they were the first big sort of player to do it. And then everyone but Samsung has, like, stripped that thing off so fast like that you, you wouldn't even know it was there. The hole is gone. And I wonder if some of them even just papered over the hole. They're like, our phone is cooler if we don't have one of these. Look, it's gone. How awesome is that? I could have sworn HTC predated... Some HTC phone stands of headphone jack predated the iPhone. Actually, that wouldn't surprise me. Jack. HTC has predated a lot of stuff. They were one of the first with the all aluminium design, like before the iPhone even had it. They've done some really cool stuff. But I'm 
still to this day, I'm, I know I sound like a broken record flow, but I'm, a, I'm against the headphone jack removal. It still affects me like to this day when I, I have my headphones in my pocket or maybe in a bag that I've had in there for like a year. And I'm like, I might just listen to some podcasts and I'll be like, there's nowhere to plug this in. Like, oh, I left my dongle somewhere like uh, dongle town. Uh, you know what I've done in those situations, and maybe this is a good tip for anybody out there in internet podcasting land, if you feel like you could do this sort of thing in public, but I feel like this wards off people from trying to talk to you, uh, is you can actually, you know, you can find those little apps in the Play Store that let you uh, funnel audio through the earpiece <gasps> or the phone. You can do that? Uh, yes, there are, I know there are a couple of like spoofy quick setting apps that I've used in the past that do that sort of thing. I haven't used it. I just don't use it anymore because I always, I have actually a Bluetooth dongle that I keep in my purse. Uh, so I always have a Bluetooth. I have this cute little like pouch and I always has my Bluetooth dongle and the USB-C dongle and then whatever like headphones I've crushed in there. But yeah, uh, I've used that before. And then you hold your phone up to, you know, your ear and it looks like you're embroiled in conversation. Oh, and you're but in you're the world's longest one-way conversation, but you're just listening to a podcast. In fact, that you could probably yeah. even agree. Like if you're doing that right now, you could just talk along with us. You'd be like, yep, Russell and Flo agree 100%. Yep, yep. I'll see you both Friday. I like it. That's a cool pro tip. Yeah, bro tip. If you can find something out there that isn't riddled with ads and spyware. But, yeah, you just know. maybe scroll down the permissions list and see how old it is and a few other things before you go yeah. installing. And yeah. maybe another, okay, another pro tip in that realm since we're on the pro tip, the pro tip ball hey, rolling. People love pro tips. Pro tips. Um, on that note, check the last time the app has been updated before you download it. Yes, because if the app is really yeah. old, um, it has the permission to ask for a whole bunch of permissions that you can't really do anymore. And it's like it can still get away with them because it hasn't been updated for a while. So definitely check that if it's labeled like, you know, 2009 or something, maybe, maybe don't install it. Oh, no, there are some on there that I've seen like 2010, 2011. I'm just wow. like, my God, how much time has, fla- <laughs> has flown since then. I have to ask, is that going to go away? Because we've been talking about this. Is that going to go away with the uh, new APIs? So it's, here's the interesting like part: the is Google, said, to... Google said you're not going to be able to update those apps, but they haven't gone as far as to say we're actually going to remove those apps. Oh, yet. Although you know I what, see. it wouldn't actually shock me if they they did that at some point down the track. They're like, if your app hasn't been updated um, to this particular API by this particular date, and then we're going to remove it from the store. I actually think that would be a real you know positive, strong move from Google, and they could be really lenient about it. They could say you know you have a full year or whatever. Like they just need to set some deadline to say that. If your app's not compliant by this date, then we're not even going to continue selling it because that's in the best interest of our users. We don't want them to have crummy apps. So. That is a great way to clean house. Um, that's much how I purge my closet from time to time is, you know, we just got to get rid. You just got to get rid of the old stuff to make room for the new. Exactly. I like it. And it's not like this hasn't been done before. Apple's done this on their side. They went from the whole um, 32-bit to 64-bit app transition a while back and then I believe it was oh, yeah, I remember that. this year or late last <laughs> year they were like, you know what, 32-bit apps no longer work and we're not going to sell them anymore. So if you haven't updated, uh, tough pickies. And they gave developers like enough notice but even so there was it was a little bit bumpy but I think it was the right decision in the end just to get rid of all, like all those apps that haven't been updated in like five years. Yeah, but you know how the Android land is. <laughs> it's, it's a bit wilder out here. For some reason, we like don't support security updates, but we still keep 
pumping out phones with really old versions of Android and, you know. Yeah. I mean, there is an upside to that though, right? Is in iPhone land, if if you really, you're in the Apple ecosystem and your only choice is an iPhone, you might have three different models, you know, last year's model, the years before that model or this year's model and that's the only choice Apple gives you. And if you don't like the decisions, for example, if you love headphone jacks and you hate notches, like good luck to you if you're an Apple sort of fan in the next few years because you're not going to have that choice. Whereas in Android land, if if you love headphone jacks and you hate notches, you've got the S9, like flagship phone that has no notch and has a headphone jack and that extends to everything. Like if there's some particular niche feature that you love on Android, you can probably find a device that, that has it built in. So there is some upside, I guess, to, to being the Wild West as well. It's true and that's why I have decided to use the Jelly phone as my as my little music phone. Yeah, how's that working out? Uh, it's not working out so well. It, <laughs> Spotify crashes every time it plays a song. I just do, like through my car's audio. I do Aww. not understand why. Um, I don't know what's happening there, but I tried <laughs> to give it a purpose. It didn't really work. Hey, at so. least you tried. Poor little jelly phone. It's, it's funny because of its tiny little size, like you kind of, I feel like you cut a lot of slack. You're like, oh, but it's so small. Like you tried little phone. You, you tried so hard. You could totally swallow it. I actually, it's, it's not recommended. I mean, I, I, I don't recommend it. I mean, I've but seen, it's definitely. I've seen what you Americans have been swallowing recently with your detergent and like all this other stuff. I don't. I don't think we should advocate this on here. We're going to have YouTube videos of people like swallowing the jelly phone. Hey, what is this family request I'm reading about here in the notes? <laughs> I like your quick diversion flow. Let's get off the topic of Americans. Um, yeah, so we've used this show in the past to advocate for all sorts of things and I feel like often it's very me, I want this, I want this or I want that and I'm speaking for myself. I'm a very selfish person. I tend to ask for things that I want. So I thought for once I could bring the request of one of my family members like onto here um, and they use Google Calendar heavily like, you know, for all their stuff. It's all in Google Calendar and so does the school that their uh, kids go to. Um, so they have these Google calendars, you know, there's just been the material redesign. It looks all pretty on the web. Like it looks amazing. It's easier to use like that. Two thumbs up for improving that design Google. But the problem is to this day, when you embed one of these calendars for other people to see, so you might want to embed it on a website that a whole bunch of parents can get to or whatever. Um, it's using the old design for reasons that escape me probably because it hasn't been updated, but I feel like I feel like that needs to change. Like someone at Google should be like, we've redesigned the calendar. That means we've actually redesigned all of the calendar. We haven't left some bits of like the old calendar, like, you know, still online. First of all, great Siskel and Ebert reference. Uh, RIP to both of those legends. Second of all, uh, you know, I have a complaint as well about Google Calendar, which is not entirely related to what you brought up, but it is sort of related in the sense that I think your problem could be solved by AI. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more. I think that some sort of machine should come in and learn when I have, see what I did there? When I have <laughs> uh, multiple, when I have multiple appointments across varying calendars. So for instance, you know, you have your family calendar, which you share with the family. You know, my husband and I kind of figure out what's going on. You've got the friends calendar. So we kind of know we're all hanging out with each other because, you know, adulthood, you can only see each other once a year, you know, those sort of things. So I'd like it if it could just consolidate, figure out when to consolidate. And then when I click on it, it could like expand or something. Ah, uh, I have the same problem. Like you have a family calendar, you have a friends calendar, you have like all these calendars. And sometimes you put 
the same event in all three just to keep everyone in the loop. But I do, it, yeah. But, but it's the same event. It's like if only there was some it kind is. of learning machine, like you say, that could go through and be like, you know what, it looks like this is the same event. I'm going to do you a favour and collapse this into the same event and then I'm not going to push all that important, you know, work stuff that you've got like off the page that you're probably not going to see because it'll be collapsed. It'll be smaller. I like doesn't even need to do that. All it has to do is watch for when I right click and go copy to, and then I copy it to different. <laughs> That's all you need the trigger for. That's all the machine needs. And then boom. In fact, if I could write this myself, I would, but I can't, which is why I'm complaining about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's the only power we have really. There. So yeah, if yes. someone's listening on the Google Calendar team or you know people on the Google Calendar team or you can somehow fly maybe like an airplane with a banner over the Google Calendar team's headquarters, like these are just our two requests, some some more learning We could machine. actually do that, you and I. We, we could? We could do that during Google I.O. is fly, oh, yes. pay to fly. Uh, yeah, we could be like, in San Jose airports nearby. Yeah, hire two planes, one that says, please fix the embedded calendar, you know, update it to material <laughs> yes. design. We're going to have to work on That's a... a, a a catchier, yeah. shorter version of this. And the other one's like, please combine my family events using machine learning. I like it. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to work on the delivery, but yeah. definitely that's something that we should start saving up for, um, you know, because these <laughs> things cost money. I'd be interested to know how much that actually costs, like nothing to do with the show, but we, sh- we should look this up offline. Probably thousands of dollars, <laughs> which makes me think about all those people who have done it for proposals. Yeah, you know, like Susan, marry me. Like, that's a lot of my- man. Yeah, it's either the cutest thing in the world that someone's gone to all that trouble to marry Susan, Is it? or it's a little bit like desperate. It's like, do that's you not think des- Susan will I'm marry you? Like, do no you have offense to, put it to up anybody lights? who has ever hired a plane. <laughs> yeah, to there's, do there's that. a few if listeners ever- that are like, I did that. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's probably it was probably a beautiful romantic moment between the two of you, and that should not even be dismissed. Uh, anyway, I it's probably not going to work with Google, so we'll just you know what we'll manifest this into the universe, and then we'll practice a lot of positivity and being good to people, and then that way we manifest positivity, and then eventually that comes back around into Google engineers just getting this twinge of feeling. I need to put AI in Google Calendar. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's just like you put it out there and eventually it makes its way to a Google engineer and they're like, I can't explain why, but this has just been added to my task list and I, I need to do this. You know what else? You know what else we need to do is get to our first ad. This episode brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at $5 a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offers industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They now have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning that you can serve your customers even quicker than before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing, and with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. And Linode offers additional storage too. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in their Fremont and Newark facilities. And Linode plans to expand their block storage to all data centers by 
June. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers, hosting a private Git server, and so much more. Oh, and guess what? Linode's hiring right now too. If this interests you, just go to linode.com careers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for only $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com material, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get 20% towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash material to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code material2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show. Hey, so about that assistant. Oh, are you going to tell me that uh, I should make Google do it flow? Is that, is that what should be going on? Uh, yeah, that's like the cool little slogan that Google's been showing off at South by Southwest, which I've seen all over Instagrams, it's just everybody, all the tech press, you know, well, not all of them, but, you know, a good chunk of them are at South by right now. South by is what the cool kids oh, call is it. That what, um, is, is that like dub dub is WWDC? Do we have one for IO? I'm just going to start calling it EO. I just call it IO. Just IO. The problem is oh, that it's so short. It's so hard, isn't it? Ooh, you go into IO. We should make t-shirts. <laughs> you going to Maybe. IO? I'm going to you IO. going Let's... to IO? I'm going to IO. Let's go to IO either. Anyway. But, but no, um... no, no, no. We're on something good here. Are, are you going to IO? Have True. you heard anything about your ticket yet? Uh, Yes. Ooh. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, We can also talk about that offline. So Google Assistant, which actually is very related, very related pivot, because the thing is what we're going to hear a lot of at Google I.O. from the keynote is about Google Assistant, which has honestly been the main theme of every Google keynote for the last two years. And we're really seeing it evolve now into this customizable platform. However, as as shown through the launch of Google Routines, which is a little feature that went live. Russell, I know this it, it's kind of um, a bummer when we talk about these things because I know down under for whatever reason you don't you don't have everything that well, we have. It, it starts with the 300 millisecond delay. You even have a fiber optic cable that data takes to get from the US to America. And somehow that balloons into months long delays and launches. Like it's just, it's just one follows the other. Cause I was going to ask you about this flow. Like I noticed this routines thing in the news. I got all excited about it. I opened my Google home app uh, or my Google assistant app. I don't remember which one it's, it's obviously not there. So I'm either not part of the stage roller or it's an America only thing. I, I don't know. But, and then I realized I know very little about what on earth this means, but I have in front of me, I'm literally looking at her in Skype, like an automation expert. So I figure like <laughs> it'd be awesome to just ask on the show, like Flo can actually explain to me exactly what this means and I can walk away a little bit smarter. Yeah, so routines work just like they would for any human being, right? You wake up every morning, you say, good morning, self, and then <laughs> you That's perform exactly right. <laughs> a string of actions that you've It's a wonderful day to wake up as Rogelio, is it not? Oh, yes. That was my ringtone for a little while, by the way. Uh, I was really happy to find out, by the way, that you enjoy the show, Jane the Virgin. It is a great show. Very well written. Uh, I do appreciate that it's on YouTube TV as well. Shout out to YouTube TV. Yeah, it is. get that in Australia again, but I would love it if you could. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Because I've been been downloading it extremely legally. 
That's another bonus episode. We'll just talk about all the things I have that you don't. <laughs> Sounds like a fun episode. Flow explains. I can, I can literally see your Google Flo Home brags. Maps in the background there. You're just, you're just taunting me with it. You're like, look at this thing. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so inside that Google Home Max is actually the ability to do all the routines with Google Assistant, right? So what's kind of interesting is routines, apparently, so they were supposed to come out with five pre-programmed routines where you could say something like good morning or good evening, and then it would perform a string of actions, right? So now when you go into the routine section in the Google Home app, which by the way, it's buried under more settings in the hamburger menu. <laughs> it's just like super buried in there. Not only is it in the more settings menu in the settings menu, but it's also you have to scroll all the way down to services. And then it's just smushed right there in between news and TV and speakers. That is so, so just weird. Just to make it really explicit. It like such a headline feature. Like expose it more. Give it its own card. Like tell people about it. Don't bury it in yes, settings, versus- more settings like services. Exactly. Versus the routines in Amazon Alexa, which those are front and center in the hamburger menu on the Alexa app on Android. So right now routines only has one sample routine though, and that's good morning. So I can go in and I can like set it to take my phone off silent, adjust certain lights around the house, adjust the thermostat, tell me the weather and my commute. Ha ha ha. How long is it going to take me to get downstairs? Um, (laughs) You must love all those uh, time to leave notifications. Time to leave for your job downstairs. You're like, whoa, I'm just going to make this. I actually set it to the nearest BART station in case I ever like Ah, want to just take transit. I just need to know how long it takes in case I want to be a good citizen of the world and take transit. Or do you uh, actually live at a BART station? This is probably a topic for another show. No, I live about 15 minutes away from one. So that's why it's a relative like should I or shouldn't I? Should I drive or should I Take the slow way and enjoy my ride in. Anyway, routines. That routines. is a routine that you would do is you would you would take public transportation. Uh, it's important to note, by the way, that the routines that are in Google Home are not the same as shortcuts, which is another feature that's existed in the Google Home app. And that's another feature that, by the way, is buried in the more setting setting. <laughs> I feel like the there's, a, there's a common theme here that and maybe you have this problem as well. It definitely sounds like you do that. I really feel like the Google Home app and the Google Assistant apps and all those sort of apps conglomerated together are just, they're too complicated. Like every team presumably at Google has added their feature into settings, more settings, services or whatever. And it's it's a little bit of a mess if I'm honest. Like I'm hoping someone's coming through for Google I.O. and cleaning up some of this stuff because I feel like the way to get the average person, and I include myself in this average person thing, interested in home automation. Like not all of us are Florence Iron, right? Not all of us are reviewing home automation devices and going through all the complex setup just to to tell you, you know, the dear reader and listener, like what it's all about and how good it is. Like some of us are just not that into home automation, but we would be way more into it if it was a little bit more accessible, like a little bit friendlier, a little bit easier to deal with. Like even, I'm sure you've got this problem as well, Flo, but with I find with the the Hue light bulbs, right? Let's say you you buy another one. You're like, I'm so excited. It's on sale on Amazon or whatever. We have Amazon, by the way, now. That's something that we have here in Australia. <laughs> I'm proud. Um, you buy one. And I did this the other day because they did have a sale on uh, light bulbs and I bought one light bulb because I'm like, free shipping for the win. Um, and then I'm like, this is really hard to get back into Google Home and you have to resync it and rename it and like put it in a Google Home uh, room even though it's already in a Hue room. And I'm like, oh, it's too hard. 
Oh, yeah. Explaining that Hue room versus the Google Home room yeah. thing to people and how like you have to set everything up. Otherwise, nothing is going to work on the assistant. It is still a really clunky experience. It's not super fluid. It's not super intuitive. I I actually don't have the patience to thinker, tinker with things, which is why I don't do a lot of, you know, crazy like tasker routines or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I can, but it's just, it's just such a like, uh, make this user friendly. You know, I only have so much time in the day. I work so much. I'm tending to the emotional needs of the people around me. Like I have to clean a house and, you know, and I need some me time. I don't have time to sit around. I mean, granted some people really enjoy it, but anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, (laughs) the point is when you are Listen, if you like to tinker with things, you're doing it to figure out how to make that thing more cool. When you're just trying to set up a light bulb so that it turns on when you come home, yeah. that's not something you want to take for freaking ever. Like, yes, there was a necessity to do this back in the day because there weren't many open platforms, but now there are. So they just just hire a UI person. Yeah. Somebody just make it a little more intuitive. Yeah. Categorize and, it a little know, bit better. Yeah, just maybe think about how to use that feed. For instance, maybe uh, maybe instead of starting me off with the devices in my house and how to use assistant, you could, oh, I don't know, tell me about routines. <laughs> you know, this, uh, this brand new big feature that you just launched, like maybe yeah. just throwing stuff out there. And I, look, I, I don't want to, you know, rag on engineers. I'm sure this stuff's hard. Like you've got all these disparate oh, sort absolutely. of data sources. You know, you've got to work with the people at Philips. You've got to work with the people at Samsung, like all these different manufacturers. You've probably even got to, you know, go to meetings with some of the internal teams at Google and, and try and sort out like release dates and times and interfaces. Like I get that's a really hard job, but I feel like once it comes to launching something um, into like us, the sort of user space, like, you should have all that stuff nailed and it should just be really simple messaging to be like, hey, yeah, you get a new card pops up, it tells you about routines, it configures, it offers to configure like a routine or two for you based on your setup at home. Like, yeah, just just make it easy because I feel like a few years ago it was really impressive to turn lights on and off using some kind of assistant because people hadn't really seen that. I feel like now that they've seen it, if you tell them the kind of convoluted process they have to go through to get some of this stuff to happen, they're like, you know what, I, I could just do this myself. Like instead of make Google do it, it's probably actually easier just to make Russell do it. I I just want to reiterate the fact that uh, I'm expressing a general frustration I have with uh, with being in the you know being new to the smart home space is just thinking about is just thinking about how uh, you know. No, I mean I'm going to get it. You work with this stuff like every single day, so I feel like you have more insight than than most of us do. Do you, do you think it's getting better? Like, are, are we getting there? Well. I'd- or is it still just going to be a mess like going forward? I think there's a lot of stuff that's just being kind of introduced without thought about how it all strings together. Like there's so much fragmentation, which is which is the other problem. Because the thing is, uh, there is no app that has shown me like what I need from an app. So like I actually have no idea. So I'm clearly just like grumbly because I, I don't know what the solution is, um, how to make it easier on all of us to make the stuff work because the thing is we do have to program it and the interfacing is actually the other thing is the app interface is secondary to the voice interface so it's like okay well sorry you have to go in and deal with this but hey at least you know 
everything is under more settings. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's unreasonable to expect Google to solve this, right? Because what happened with the original smartphone is there was a ton of companies right, rushing to build smartphones, you know, you had all these different companies sort of building them and they had pens and they had awkward interfaces and they were trying to make them smarter and smarter and smarter. You're like, this is really hard. And Apple came along, give them full credit, and they made a smartphone. They're like, this is how a smartphone should be. You touch the apps, like there's a touch screen, there's flicky stuff. And people are like, yeah, that's exactly how a touchscreen could be. The problem we have is in the home space. Like I've used HomeKit, uh, you know, through Apple's Home app. It's it's not that great. It's a bit rubbish, to be honest. Their assistant Siri is also a bit rubbish. Let's be honest. So we can't really expect them to kind of lead the way because it's like they've they've stuffed up the app, they've stuffed up the assistant. They're not going to be able to fix any of those like anytime soon. And then you look around, you're like, okay, there's Amazon doing their stuff and. That stuff's okay. Like it's it's quite good in some respects, you know, not so good in others. But I feel like Google, Google is the company that has all the learning of the machines, like the machine learning stuff. They have the AI assistant. Like they probably have the most advanced version of an assistant that I've seen. Like bring all this stuff together, Google, into like a seamless, you know, amazing to use interface, not, you know, settings, more settings, services, something else. Or maybe there's a universal standard that all IoT manufacturers have to use so that, all Google, Apple, and Amazon adjacent products have to do is just pop in this little like whatever API. You know better what it would be called. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that would be nice because at the moment just every single manufacturer and, has know, their own one, and like Samsung has one, Apple has one, like Google sort of subscribes. Well, and then to there's one. also like there's also different connection standards. Yeah. Um, it's just all it's all a mess because it's all like a nascent category. I mean, it, but it's just that the the thing is, it's a nascent category, but everything looks good. So it's not like back in the days of uh, when technology was just very much marketed to tinkerers and people who like wanted tech. You know what I mean? Now it's marketed in like it's a home lifestyle product. Yeah. And so it's like very cool. But the tech inside maybe isn't as forward thinking <laughs> as you would hope. Yeah, because I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, no, I don't no, no, say I, I agree with you, right? Because people try, people try to make it for you know, and I can't. They, they do, they do. I mean, and, and I agree with you about the hardware, right? Like, because um, this was a while ago now, but um, my, my wife's parents came over, so my parents-in-law, and they they saw our Google Home, and they're talking to it, and you could tell they were really engaged with the whole talking to it, and they weren't trying to control lights or whatever. They were just literally asking it to play music and different sort of questions that you might ask of Google. And at the end of that process, you know, her dad's like. Um, you know, how much are these and, and where can I get one? And I, I have a drawer full of Google Home Minis. Like if anyone ever wants one, just come to my house. So I just opened this drawer. I'm like, here you go, brand new one in the box. And he took it home and I think he's been really enjoying it. And that's because he's not trying mm. to do an extension of all this stuff. He's just really got into the whole, this thing can play music and I can ask this thing questions. I, I really fear for the day that he goes beyond that though. Like he ventures onto the internet and he's like, oh, I can control lights. Like let's do this. Like I feel like that's where the experience starts to get really shaky. Whereas that first play me some music and, you know, I'll ask you a question, you'll give me an answer. Like that part is pretty damn solid. Like I figure the rest of it needs to get as solid as that sort of first bit. It is, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think if like it is shaky because I think like I would have a recommendation for what your father-in-law could use that would be really easy to set up. But the thing is you still have to tap through, you have to set it up first on the proprietary app and then you have to go link it in the Google Home app and then maybe you want to plan a routine or whatever. Yeah, all that stuff is pretty, it's it's not a, it's not an easy user experience for beginners. Like people are not no. interested in doing that. 
Yeah, I and don't I mean, not, think. not to put people into categories, but I feel like um, people of their generation as well, when they interact with computery type stuff, they're really scared that they're going to break things. Like we maybe we don't have that as much in our generation, but their generation is very much about like I don't want to mess with too many settings because I might break it and then not know how to fix it. And I feel like the way to fix that is like get rid of a lot of the settings, like you know, make a lot of this more intuitive. And I know that's easy to say, hard to do, but still, like I'm hoping Google has some magical stuff for us at, at IO. I will say amongst uh, amongst my crowd, I I guess, is that I've had a couple of people over to the house where we've used the Google Home either to like control lights or maybe, you know, my husband set a timer. But the consensus so far has been kind of negative. <laughs> <laughs> In what sense? I'm curious. Like, well, like, well, and... Like, well, why would I want that listening to me in my house? Which is ah, okay, totally yep. fair. Which is totally fair. What am I supposed to say to that? Well, you know, it is like a social contract that you sign when you decide to bring one of these into your home is that you realize all the uh, data that you're giving the machine is in exchange for all of these, you know, easier ways of turning on your lights. Yeah, there is that aspect of it. And I feel like that's still a thing. It's something that's always listening sort of. It's on device. You can try and explain that to people. That's complicated. And and you've plugged this always listening thing into the internet. Like I feel like that's, that's a high level of trust that you're placing in some other company. Yes, it's true. Uh, I don't know how to. I You know, I just I don't know. Like is there like a Google Assistant, you know, class I could take on how to like <laughs> – <laughs> like those things they do at the Apple stores where you go in and you learn how to use like the, the Keynote software or the whatever Microsoft Word or something. There should be one for assistance. You sit down and someone explains to you like all about assistance. Well, yeah. I mean, I actually feel, Russell, on that note, um, I was actually having this conversation this morning with my husband about the – and my flux just went off on my computer. So my face now is stark white. Ouch. It's a routine flow. You've set it up. It's like, I know what to do next. I think daylight savings messed up with the flux settings. Anyway, so that was stark. Once again, <laughs> kicking me out of my thought process. What was I saying, Russell? You were having a conversation with your husband about... Yes, about artificial intelligence uh-huh. um, because of that story that came out about how AI can apparently... Or there's some sort of tech that can scramble your brain. Or whatever is I don't know I'm loosely speaking I I don't want to like super get into it because I don't know all the details it's just like what I've what I saw coming across Twitter and around my little bubble of people but anyway I do think that we need to talk to people about AI in the world because machine learning is such is going to be such a major component of every technology especially technology from Google so you know. Yeah, and it's easy to get futuristic about this stuff. Like everyone's like, oh, yeah, we'll kill us all. Like we're, we're a ways oh, away Oh, it's especially from that. easy now because it's 2018. Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing is like it's that part might be super far off like before some super intelligent like AI race destroys us all and they probably have a right to. We don't deserve to be here. But um, the thing is like it, immediately before that is there is going to come some point where machine learning is so ubiquitous that um, – it's going to be like in all our lives. It, it almost kind of is there already. Like there's, we feel like we're only like not very far from a breakthrough where that thing turns a corner and suddenly like machine learning does everything for you. And at that point, it, it does. Yeah, at that point, like it these assistants are going to be like super important. So I, I hope that yeah, Google figures out the settings, more settings, advanced settings, super settings, extra settings, more settings. This all comes settings. down to turn machine off. Don't kill me, please. Is like twelve settings deep. But that's that's too far. Well, you know. 
it, it's also in the best interest of the companies pushing forward the sort of technology because if you make it more, uh, you know, palatable for the general public, then you sell more stuff. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> flow just it's unlocked really the key just, to marketing. It's just you make know, it simpler, just, sell more. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. You know what else I like, Flow? Hmm. Is our second sponsor for today. This episode is brought to you by our awesome friends over at Pingdom. The reason Pingdom is awesome is because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to and gives you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. Let's be real. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. So regardless of whether you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor its availability and performance. You really don't want your site to be down and know nothing about it until someone sends you a tweet or an email. And that's why you need Pingdom. It's so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code material at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. That is massive. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So we do have one more news story before we let you go. We're going to try and keep this show short. Um, we are down a, a host, as you know, so that means the show should be two-thirds as long, one-third long, yeah, less long, less longer, yep. more, yep. more longer. Because the thing is, Andy leaves a hole that no one is able to fill. Yeah, more than 100% agree with that. Um, so we did have this last bit of news that um, this worried me at first because I, I saw Andy drop this into the show notes. He's like, Google is killing Android Wear. I'm like, what? Did I miss some kind of news story? And it turns Stab, stab, stab. Whoa, like, whoa, no, whoa. Can't, can't do that to me. I just got invested. <laughs> um, but it turns out that uh, Android Wear might be getting, getting, is... might be getting renamed Wear OS. So taking whoa. the Android bit out. Remember how... Android Pay, like Google something, wallet something became Android Pay, became Google Pay. They took the Android out of it. It seems like Google might yes. also be taking the word Android out of Android Wear and just calling it Wear OS. I mean, how do we feel you about that? You know why? You know why? Because of fashion. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit geeky, fashion. isn't it, to have a super high fashion watch that's got the word droid in it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I'm sorry, not, not like, listen, this is... I never want to perpetuate the idea that there is a difference between nerds and the fashionable because those two things are not mutually exclusive. I, for one, am absolutely, I'm just, you know, I love the fashion world because I I love patterns and dresses and shapes and the way things look on people. It just, I love clothing. Right. Okay. But I can imagine that for marketing purposes, if you're Michael Kors um, or if you're Fossil, it, you know, even just looking. So the reason I was I was interrupting you is usually because I'm reacting to something. So I apologize. So <laughs> <laughs> that's something I do. You know, I, I do it because I'm reacting. No, no, I like uh, it. Otherwise, you really it'd be could me just ignore me. Doing a monologue, which wouldn't be that exciting. Uh, yes. Oh, don't. Sound I did one of those short. in Year Twelve drama. If anyone wants to go back and find the tape, like it was very boring. So this is much better. Marriage. Uh, <laughs> I imagine the one you did. Uh, the icon has changed, so it's not Android Wear. It's not the little. Uh, it's not the little watch face with the. I guess this is now that I look at it. They're supposed to be cards. 
Yeah, I've always wondered what through. the heck that is, but you're probably right. It's cards. It's actually it got now. rid of after Android Wear 1. It's they no true. longer had cards, but the logo didn't change. It's just like, hmm. Now the logo is a W. So it's two backslashes plus two colons in the shape of a W in the Google primary colors, which is just a perfect way to say this is a Google product, not an Android one. So slowly over the next couple of years, everything is going to slowly become Google. And I think the reason Android is going to possibly stay Android is because of this. It's like the iOS to the Android. You know what I mean? Like that's just the name of the operating system. It's not the name of, of, you know, I mean, I'm sure it'll be the name of department at Google, but you know, it's not like Uh, the name of a product. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't go and buy an iOS, you go and buy an iPhone. Like that's the name of the phone. You go buy a Galaxy Which runs iOS. Yeah, it runs iOS. It'll run Android. And I, I really like this new logo. Like, um, I do too. Yeah, I did not like the previous Android Wear logo like at all. Sorry to whoever designed that. But this well, one's... now that we just figured out what it is, yes, exactly. Clearly, <laughs> it, it wasn't years. like. I mean, I guess it's also symbolic of maybe like a watch bracelet link, whatever. It that is. It yeah, is. It's it like is. Both in one. Um, but I, I do see something in this new logo, which I hope you see as well. And um, listeners, this will be in the show notes if you want to check it out. Um, so there's the two backslashes that Flo talked about. There's these two um, little circles. There's a green one and a red one. Now I want you to imagine Flo. That the circles are like a, like a figurine or like a person or whatever, and that person has jumped onto these two um, vertical things and this actually knocked them over. So he's in the he or she is in the process of jumping onto this thing and knocking over those two things that make the W. Can can you see that or am I crazy? Yeah, I could see that. It just looks so fun to me. They're like wee, and they've jumped on it and then realized the whole thing was going to collapse. And now wow, you. You got a lot out of that. See? <laughs> oh, oh, man. It's a good logo. Yeah, it's a this, good icon. This is just like when uh, Google or Apple announces something and people go on a deep dive into exactly what the, the logos mean. Hey, why not? If Apple people can do it, so can Google people, darn it. Uh, and to that end, I mean, we should maybe briefly talk about the fact that there has been a lot of scale back on Android Wear. And I'm not... I mean, I'm not entirely sure where to take this conversation because I'm not entirely sure where it's going. Yeah, and this is this is something I'd, that, like, I'm going to Google I.O. this year. This is something I'm really excited to check out because I feel like last year there was some sessions on Android Wear. It wasn't like it was completely dead, but it did feel like it was hugely de-emphasized like compared to the year before. Like a lot of other yeah. stuff was coming to the fore and Android Wear was in the background. And like we've talked about in previous shows, like a whole bunch of manufacturers have either slowed down their manufacturing of Android Wear devices or in Motorola's case, like, you know, pulled out from for now, like completely from making new devices. And it leaves a lot of us wondering, like, uh, what's going to happen next? Like, is, is there going to be like a Wear OS 3? Is there going to be some new sort of thing that happens? Is there going to be new hardware? Like, what's going to happen? And this is all very much in the air. And I'm kind of hoping that we'll be sitting down, you know, wherever you're sitting for the Google-like <sighs> keynote, and whoever it is that talks about Android Wear normally gets up on stage with some new thing and it's just, boom, here's the future of Wear OS and here's why we think it's important and here's where it's going and that. It'll probably be Dave Burke. Yeah, Dave Burke does, does do a lot just, of that stuff. And he will probably be wearing the watch as he has the last two years. He's worn like like a really, I think last year he was wearing one of the really nice uh, fossil ones. Hey, I have to say though, the thing that comes to mind that I was giggling about while you were talking to myself uh, is the Pixel Watch. You do you think there could be renewed <laughs> renewed interest in a Pixel Watch? That's been like a rumor for how many years now? Yeah, but can I just get the Apple Watch with Wear OS on it? Like that's all <laughs> I want. 
I just literally, that is all I want out of life. I don't need anything else. Like, yeah. don't buy me a car. I don't need a house. There you go. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need crazy anything. I don't need more acreage. Flows, I'm friends and family, if you're listening. That's all she wants. Just convince some company, perhaps Google, to make the because Pixel Watch. Because it's the shape. It's a watch that I actually want to wear. It's a watch that people actually wear. It looks good with bracelets. Yeah. Um, it and, looks and I'm going to presume it has sleeves. something to do with the size as well, right? The, the watch it, Yeah, it looks good smaller. on short arms, which I'm kind of, you know, I, I, I'm whatever. I'll say it out loud here. I'm self-conscious about my arms and I don't like the way watches look, which is why I don't really wear them. Usually, because I feel it just feels weird having like this thing on your arm, and I want something that's not loose. And every Android Wear watch I've ever worn has been loose on me, which makes me think I have the absolutely wrong wrist size. Because <laughs> even at the smallest, it's still too darn loose. No, at the smallest, it's too tight. But then oh, at the second smallest, it's too darn loose. So it's never like an in between. Yeah, and and the good thing is on the Apple side of things, they do have some bands that are like got that inf- infinite adjustment thing to them. The Milanese loop. I'm way out of my depth. The here, Michael but. Kors watch had that actually, yeah, that but it had, but it also used the old school watch links, the kind that pull your hair. Ah, uh, you know I like what I mean. I, I know exactly so, what you mean. There's there, there's like an entire yeah. bit of my wrist hair just missing from like wearing those kind of watches, and it's really annoying because it doesn't happen that often. But when it does, it it's just shocks you, and you're like, ah, it does. It's it's annoying, and um, these are all things that you have to consider about when you're designing a wearable for a human being. And I just, uh, I I wonder too if this is just going to make it more palatable for companies to be like, yeah, you know what, I do want to use a Google backed operating system for my wearable. Yeah, not only that because like we've we talked about the Apple Watch quite a bit and the reason for that is it's basically the number one player in the smartwatch market at the moment. And I can imagine if you're um, perhaps not a super high-end Swiss you know, manufacturer but if you're somewhere in the middle, you're feeling a bit edged out by the stuff that Apple's doing and if you're being realistic and you sit down and you have a deep conversation with yourself, you're like, you know what? We're a watch company. We probably don't actually have the resources to make an amazing operating system and app platform and all that other stuff that you need to launch a smartwatch. So what are our choices? And one of your biggest choices is you put Android Wear in there. And if it's now called Wear OS and it has some more sort of, you know, fashionable features and and if you can get like all the hardware and stuff, like, you know, really nice and small for it, like this seems like a good option. It's a good way to kind of fight, um, you know, potentially any profits you might be losing to Apple on the, you know, Three, four, five hundred dollars sort of, you know, watch market. Three, four, five hundred dollars. My goodness gracious, spending that much on a watch. Yeah. Or you might want to make a cheaper one. Like that's that's also an option. I I feel like this has been my problem with Android Wear for a while, is that it just kind of got to that point where I was willing to let it be big and clunky for a little while, like in the first generation. Cause I'm like, it's the yeah. first generation, it's fine. Big and clunky, make them huge and square. Like I don't care. Like just She'll grow into it. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. And then the second generation came out and they, they were round and they got a little bit smaller. I'm like, this is promising. And then the third generation <laughs> came out and everyone went crazy. They just made them huge like bigger than ever before like with lte chips and all oh, this did stuff. you guys want lte chips in them oh you guys want the inspector gadget <laughs> oh look at that so then all the watches that came out were made for man it just wasn't they were huge they were ginormous and i've seen them on wrists of people that have got you know fairly big wrists like fairly well-built people if we're going to talk about like muscles and stuff and i'm like it still looks huge like it's still too big like and imagine what it looks like on anyone smaller than that like me like i'm just like Ah, the dream was make it smaller and more elegant, not keep getting bigger. I feel like we, we lost keep, our way. Keep somewhere. the dream alive. Keep the dream alive. <laughs> make 
watches smaller, not bigger. I mean, I think that, you know, something, something is brewing in Google HQ. Um, they won't tell us about it now, but I'm sure they'll tell us about it soon. Yeah, and, I hope uh, so. I am here for the Pixel Watch. You utter Pixel Watch, and I am here for it. Oh, oh, I can already imagine what, oh, just, if you just shrank, if you just shrank the chassis, I don't, well, maybe not. I don't know. If you shrank the chassis of the Google Clips camera, the nice little softness Ooh, that it has to it. Oh, interesting. You know, and then you put like a curved, curved display on it the way that it is on the Apple Watch. But then the bottom is made of that like material, that nice soft like rubbery material that's on the Google Clips. Oh, I'm just and, saying, in a nice pastel color. And just to keep the on brand, you put a whole bunch of the machine learning stuff in there. Like you put your machine learning chip that you now develop. Like you put it in the watch. Like what the heck not? Like if Google's getting into chip making and stuff like that. Like if if you can't get one from other manufacturers that's small and and you know powerful enough to fit in a tiny watch. Make your own one, Google. Make your own one. Like get get on that train. Yeah, that's. I mean, well, let's see now. The HTC employees have just moved in to HQ. Yeah. So they just go. brought their just brought their moving boxes over. So you know, <laughs> like, spe- I'm speaking in metaphors. I don't know if this is actually what has happened. I just know I remember reading recently about the. Yeah, but I mean to yes. to kind of wrap that all up. I guess, I guess what we're saying is, hopefully, there's a future for Wear OS if they're going through the the trouble of rebranding it and spending a whole bunch on marketing and whatever else, which it looks like from the rumors they are um, potentially sort of launching at Google O. That would be the sensible place to launch it. There, maybe there's hope for Android Wear because I I do feel like maybe me especially like I've I've kind of lost interest in Android Wear because it just kind of meandered along for the last year and a half. None of the hardware has really grabbed me as like something I must have, which is. I don't know, maybe that's a bad sign, maybe it's not. But to me, it's like, come on, Google, like, wow me again, make, make something cool. No, I think I think you echo a lot of the sentiments of the rest of the world, uh, the rest of the, the uh, primarily tech-buying world, which is that watches, in a little way, I want to say kind of like VR this year, it's just not, there's a couple of tech couple of techs uh that have fallen maybe not by the wayside but that have sort of um because there's not i don't know i feel like there's relative satisfaction with some of the things that are on the market right now so growth is kind of stalled to pay attention to other things and that's kind of what i think is going on is that you know you don't really need a watch os that badly right now with the watch market all being like you said in apple's hands so Take our time. Take your time. Figure it out. <laughs> Make it so that assistant can actually hear me when I'm running through an airport. Because I will tell you, every time I have tried to use assistant in an airport on a uh, Android Wear smartwatch, it's never worked. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I'm literally holding the Apple Watch up here, as well. It doesn't work on there as well. Like it's, <laughs> it's still early days. Hopefully, they can nail that. Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean. We've got plenty more stuff coming next week, right? <laughs> We're here every week for you. We're going to have to cover it all in one week, yep. And in the lead up to Google, I bet you I can guarantee you a lot more stuff will be leaking out that we'll get to talk about. So I'm, I'm kind of excited by that. It's not that far away. It's like mid-March and this thing's like start of May. So 
pretty soon. It's like spring, Russell. And this is why, so, you know, I just, before we go, I, I really need to tell you that I love spring. It's my favorite season because, you know, we come out of the darkness of winter. Not that there's, I mean, yeah, we have relative undarkness with daylight savings time, right? We come out of the darkness of winter um, into a beautiful, you know, trio of months, let's say, April, May, June. I call those, June, I guess, is summer. So March, April, May. Uh, my birthday is, you know, in May, which <laughs> makes spring so great, yeah. which makes no, it another great time. I, I agree with you. And especially because we do the opposite here, right? We're on a different, we're on the bottom of the world. You're kind of true, on the top true, of the world. True. So we oh, yeah, kind of go sorry. into this, this cold period. No, 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 I'm going somewhere with this. But the okay, thing is, okay. then I get to fly out to America, go to Google Eye, where it is sunny, like it's sunny again. It's a good feeling to go from like, you know, I'm shivering in cold and I'm wearing jackets and jumpers and things. Um, and then I fly to the US, I rip off my jacket, my jumper, and I'm back in my T-shirt. And I'm like, woo, it's sunny again. Like, I love that it happens in spring. It's it's good. It actually may not be as hot this year as it has been in years past because they're holding it a couple, like a week. Okay, fine, like a week earlier than they usually do. But you never know here. Um, I'll flow. If I don't get my sunshine, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. you got to promise me that there'll be sunshine. I can't promise you that uh, at all. Just like I can never promise when the next time will be that it'll rain in California. Anyway, on that note, Russell, thanks for doing the podcast with me today. It's been a great treat. Yeah, thank you so much, Flo. And I bet the listeners didn't even know that we recorded half a podcast earlier and my entire computer just caught fire and the podcast the disappeared. The listeners have no idea. They have no idea. The things we do for you, dear listener. Um, Flo, I, I'm thinking there might be something you want to plug this week. I've, I've heard rumours. Oh, yes. I did a piece for Emojipedia about Emoji Compat. <gasps> That's no small which thing. Which is very, very relevant to uh, those of us Android users. I know not everybody out there in Android land is using or rather not everybody out there is using, is in Android land. Anyway, I messed that up, that pun up. Uh, yeah, so Emoji Compat, it was supposed to help solve the disparity in emojis, but that's that's not really, I mean, developers haven't used the API, so it's Stupid like not happening. developers. I'm so it's angry with them all. No, I, I'm, I'm actually going to go off and read that article straight after the show like, now that I've found out about it because I'm, I'm kind of excited. I want to find out, like, what is it developers aren't doing and which developers can I hassle into doing it so I can get my emoji on because if I don't have, like, the, you know, brain blowing out of your head emoji, the mind exploding, whatever the heck it's called, like, what is life if I can't have that? Hey, I, I want to see if you can guess what one app has it working <laughs> just fine across all platforms i'll give you a hint it's one of google's messaging apps really because i was gonna say it's not twitter because the times they no. have everything working across platforms are very small no. it's not allo is it it's allo <sighs> that could be it's the one Allo. thing that brings me back to allo because yeah i don't use it. i've gone back to hangouts like i haven't used allo yeah. in the longest well, time go read go read the article and you could see all those brand new emoji on on a super old version of Samsung UI, which feels like eons ago, even though it was literally only the Galaxy S7. So go to Emojipedia's <laughs> blog. You'll see that there. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about Emoji Compat here on the show. Yeah, and we'll link that in the show notes. If anyone wants to go tap on it, you can just tap on it in the show notes. Um, if you want to find stuff that I'm doing, I guess you can just go to it's pretty boring. Just go to twitter.com slash rustic shelf. And you are just, not boring, Russell. You well, are I am interesting. Flo, speak for yourself. You got this exciting home automation <laughs> thing that you're doing. I, I got nothing. All I do is sit in this chair every day and write. Don't, don't spoil it for me. 
I'm just assuming you're surrounded by like smart stuff and you're talking to them and it's I am. Like... That's all that's all I talk to. You guys I'm, I'm actually crying for help, but anyway, I guess we'll continue saying our goodbyes. I'm sorry I interrupted. Oh, no, that's fine. Um if you please don't send us any more jokes via email. If you want to email us, you can uh, get that at, re- at materialpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find the show, relay.fm uh, slash material, and you can find us, I think, at Material Podcast on Twitter as well. Thanks for closing us out, Russell. I was going to wait for you to do the fancy closing thing because I can never figure out what to say at the end of the show anymore. I'm hoping you've got some magic for us. Well, the only magic I have is whatever you do, tap on more settings. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.